What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to Experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Before we get started with today's episode, we just wanted to let you know that if you are interested in trying audiobooks or have been eyeing an Audible membership, you can get two free audiobooks when you sign up for a free trial at bookriot.com audible. Most free trial offers for Audible only give you one download with your 30-day trial, but we are giving you two. Audiobooks are a great way to work more reading into your life, whether it's during your commute, while you're cooking, while you're at the gym, or whatever. So go to bookriot.com audible to sign up for your free trial and get two free audiobooks. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 209, and today we are talking about books being released on May 21st, 2019, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Maria Christina Garcia Lynch, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello! Howdy! How's it going? All right. Uh, The kid's in bed, and I ate a popsicle. Life is good. What kind of popsicle? Strawberry. Ooh, excellent. <laughs> I secretly I secretly think that no one ever eats the orange popsicles. Like you you never hear people say they ate the orange one. I don't or think at so. least it's like, well, it was the last one in the freezer. Yeah. It's not like I am going to set out to eat an orange one. Yeah. They taste like pennies. <laughs> I was just really excited that that she fell asleep and then I could have a popsicle without having to share with her. <laughs> Because I'm a great mom. Uh, speaking of orange, um, I was late to call you because I was taking photos of my cats. I Like, where do you stop calling them kittens and start calling them cats? I mean, they're like uh, six and a half months old, and they're both nine pounds each. Oh, I mean, my they're, gosh. They're enormous. So, I'm like, are they technically still kittens? Like, will I always call them kittens, like, when they're older because they got here later than my older cat? I don't know. But... Um, one of them was sleeping, like, with his head hanging off the side of the bookcase, and I had to take his photo, so. Oh, they are, your your cats are, like, the, the quintessential orange tabbies. Okay. I, had, oh. like, I had no idea before I got them that there was such a big fan base for, for orange tabbies, <laughs> nor did I realize how sweet they are. And everyone I speak to who has an orange cat is like, oh, they're the sweetest, so... It's been really, really wonderful to have them around. You know, it's nice to have an animal that, like, likes you for a change. Isn't, like, standoffish or actively tries to kill you. Uh, Which, you know, are both words that describe many, many cats. Yes. Yes, it's true. Um, So, that is what's going on. It's Saturday night. um, And we're doing what we like best, which is talking about books. And uh, I'm going to kick it off. Take it away. Yeah, with... A really dark, um, unsettling novel. It's fantastic. It's called The Confessions of Franny Langton by Sarah Collins. It's this gripping mystery um, along the lines of like Alias Grace by Margaret Atwood. Uh, It's about a young woman named Franny Langton. At the beginning, she is in jail. She has been accused of the murder of her um, 
bosses, George and Marguerite Benham. She was a servant in their home. Uh, she was um, Marguerite's maid. And they find her, The George and Marguerite have been stabbed to death, and they find her covered in their blood, sleeping next to Marguerite. And she can't remember what happened. She doesn't know. She's writing this confession because she doesn't know if she did it or not. Like, she doesn't remember. Um, and then she starts telling her story uh, she was a slave on a sugar plantation in Jamaica. She was born there and raised there. Um, and when she was, um, after, after she had been born, like several years after she had been born, she was brought to live in the house. And the lady of the house taught her how to read and write. Um, and then she became the apprentice to this really unethical scientist. And there's some shady stuff that goes on at the plantation. Um, and then eventually when she's a teenager, she is taken uh, by... Um, the the man of the house, he brings her to London. She thinks she's going to get this, like, different life. Like, she's going to London where they don't have slaves and she's going to be free. And instead, he brings her to the home of the Benhams and basically is like, you're going to work here now. And, she, you know, she kind of discusses, like, it, she never thought to leave. Like, she never thought, like, and, like, if she did, like, where would she go? You know, she didn't fit in here. She wasn't from London. Um, and so she just is like, okay, you know, she's very upset, but she agrees to like stay and she's a servant in their home. And she eventually becomes Marguerite's, um, maid, like, you know, helps her dress and does all this stuff. And, um, and it turns out that the Benham home has some very dark secrets and Franny ends up having a love affair with a woman there and she falls in love and she feels like, you know, it's so hard for someone in her position to have hope for the future because she even like free, she doesn't really have anything where she is. And then, you know, murder, murder happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of what happens in the book, uh, I want to clarify this so that people don't, don't put it down. It, it's some of it is like very vague at first, like you're reading and she kind of like mentions this thing, but you're like, um, but then all will be explained. Like she will go back to it and like explain like what that meant when she was talking about it. However, when I was reading this book, I was about 20 pages into it and it, and like, there was a little bit of that already going on. And then there was like, and it was like, and then after the fire, blah, blah, I was like, whoa, I totally missed when the fire was. And I'm reading and I was like, this is not making sense to me at all. And I like, you have that feeling like, did I, did I turn two pages at once? Right. (laughs) Well, so then I look and I was missing 35 pages of my galley. So I was like, oh, okay, it's not, it's not just me. Like, (laughs) so luckily I was able to download an e-galley and like get filled in on everything that I had just missed. But at first I was like, okay, that's super vague because I just, I don't, I don't know how we jumped to that. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's really beautiful. It's really heartbreaking. You know, it's just, it's, but it's incredible. Uh, It's an incredible work of fiction about love and race and class. Um, and again, it is called The Confessions of Franny Langton and it's by Sarah Collins. All right. Um, I'm going to start my recs off with How to Forget, a Daughter's Memoir by Kate Mulgrew. And if that name sounds familiar to you, it's because Kate Mulgrew is an actor who has been on a million different things. Um, You might know her from Orange is the New Black. Um, I most recently saw her on an episode of Murder, She Wrote. Um, <laughs> she I'm assuming a, not a new episode. Not, not a new one. It's just, you know, a show that I have on in the background a lot. 
<laughs> um, but she's had a, a long and varied career on stage and screen, and she has written one other memoir called Born with Teeth. Um, and this memoir is about caring for her parents in the last years of their lives and experiencing their deaths. Um, the first half is about her father, and the second half is about her mother. Um, but there's there's a lot there about growing up with these people too. So uh, there are there there are lots of flashbacks, and and then you know you're back to the present where they're ailing. Um, and her her father died of cancer that wasn't discovered until it was stage four. And her mom had a really long, slow death from Alzheimer's. So if um, any of those things are, are sensitive topics for you, you may want to stay away from this one. Um, also, I just want to give a content warning for a story about um, how her parents reacted uh, the first time that she stayed out all night with a boyfriend, uh, which included also the the first time that Mulgrew had intercourse. And some may read this and say it was merely an unpleasant first time, but it, it reads a lot like she was sexually assaulted. So you may want to skip that part too. Um, but it was... It was a really, it was a really great read. She mentions that uh, a ritual that she would have with her mom would be just drawing a bath for her. This was way back when her mom was still young and and full of of life in so many ways. Um, she would draw a bath for her mom, and her mom would would get in and and drape a washcloth over her for modesty and. Uh, and sit back in in the bathtub and and Kate Mulgrew would sit on the floor and they would they would chat and uh her mom would say did something interesting happen to you today start at the beginning and remember kitty cat it's all in the details and and that's that comes out that that kind of early training in storytelling comes out so clearly in in this book um Y'all might know about subvocalization, which is when you are reading silently, but essentially pronouncing each and every word in your head as you do so, which which slows you down as a reader, and it's something that I I try to avoid. Uh, but I subvocalized my way through this book only because I could so clearly hear the text in Kate Mulgrew's distinctive voice. Um, the prose can be florid, but I enjoyed that so much. Who who doesn't want to hear Kate Mulgrew talking about going into the kitchen to prepare a repast? You know, if she had said snack, that that would just be disappointing. Um, it was it was really fun to to read this prose style with her voice in my in my head, and. Um, her whole family there she comes from a, a large large family and and they're all characters and i don't just mean that in in that they appear in the book but they are they are just so fully drawn here and her parents were flawed people 
she is flawed, and she doesn't spare anyone while still being respectful and affectionate. And it's really an an enviable achievement, both in writing and in just human relationships. So um, that is How to Forget, A Daughter's Memoir by Kate Mulgrew. She she does a lot of audiobooks. Yeah, if you, she's, if she's you got, want to hear her she's got, know, talk she's, some more. Well, if I want to hear her talk more, I'll just put on Star Trek Voyager in the background. That's true. Um, but Captain but, Janeway. <laughs> I really it's it was it was really enjoyable. Awesome. Would you please tell us about our first sponsor? I would love to. This podcast is sponsored by Delacorte Press, publisher of Hope and Other Punchlines by Julie Buxbaum. If you are a fan of love stories and looking for this perfect summer beach read, look no further. Hope and Other Punchlines is about a girl in a picture, the boy that will one day fall in love with her, and the summer that changes their lives forever. This is the kind of book that you'll want to tell all your friends about. It's full of heart and humor and will stay with you long after the summer is over. Hope and Other Punchlines is now available wherever books are sold. And we thank Delacorte Press for sponsoring. All right. What you got for us next? My next pick is Very Light. I've got, like, I go back and forth here. So my next pick (laughs) is a lovely contemporary romantic comedy of errors. It's set in Australia. It's star-crossed by Minnie Dark. Uh, It's about two characters, Justine Carmichael and Nick Jordan. Um, They have that sort of relationship where their moms were BFFs and they grew up together and did everything together. And then sort of as they grew into teens, it was kind of like a little bit of an attraction there. But then Nick moved away, and and that was it for her, for him and Justine. And so now Justine is older. She's working at a newspaper. She's kind of frustrated. She just gets like these menial tasks. She she's just sort of like not doing much. She really wants to be a journalist. She wants to get her shot, but um, you know she's just hanging in there, like waiting for her chance. Uh, and she runs into Nick. Like Nick is back in town. He's a struggling actor. He's just gotten uh, his heart broken. He's just gotten out of a relationship. Um, and as they're talking, she discovers that Nick is super into reading the horoscope in Justine's newspaper. Like, he's a big fan of the person who writes the horoscope. And so, she decides that she's going to tinker with the predictions for Aquarius. Like, she's going to step in before the paper goes to press and sort of, like, tweak it a little bit, hoping to bring her and Nick together You know, she's, like, playing with fate here, kind of. (laughs) Um, Which has unintended consequences for a lot of the Aquarians who are uh, reading the newspaper. um, Which is really, like, fun little side stories, these people. That's Um, so great. I'm married to one of those, so. (laughs) But meanwhile, Nick is, like, repeatedly failing to interpret his horoscope in the way that Justine intends. Because you can't really mess with what's supposed to be, you know. Um, And it's kind of like, will these two star-crossed lovers, you know, get together um, and star-crossed because he has taken a role as Romeo, um, which, which, like, I think we've reached the point 
in time where we no longer call Romeo and Juliet like a love story, right? Because like it's a tragedy. Come on, yeah. You know, when people say they want to be together like Romeo and Juliet. Uh, it's no, like, eh. no. I actually. So this is totally aside, but I was sitting. Aside are Shakespearean, it's okay. Um, I, I was sitting. Oh, I can't remember where I was, but there was like this country song. Maybe it's in the grocery store. There's this country song playing, and I and this isn't verbatim, but like the chorus was something like. I want a romance like Marilyn and JFK. And I was like, oh, honey, no. Like, what is what is that? It was really, I was like, you you must be very young. Um, oh, my So God. I was listening to that song, and I was like, this is this is a bad idea. Anyway, back to <laughs> Romeo and Juliet and this, this fabulous book. It's lighthearted. It's fun. I love it. Um, I feel like Australian authors are having a huge, huge moment in the, in the States this year. Like, all of the books coming out of Australia are amazing. So this is Star-Crossed by Minnie Dark. Oh, right. Um, uh, speaking of stars, my next pick uh, starts out in space. It Ooh. is Vessel, a novel by Lisa A. Nichols. And uh, when, when this book opens, Lieutenant Colonel, I think she's a Lieutenant Colonel. I'm not great on my military ranks. Um, Ca- Lieutenant Colonel Catherine Wells is returning to our solar system through a wormhole. She and the rest of her NASA crew left Earth on a six-year mission to an Earth-like planet in another system, and it is now 10 years later, and Catherine has amnesia. She doesn't know if she even made it to this other planet that they were supposed to land on, settle, and study for a while. And she has no idea what happened to the rest of her crew. Um, She isn't even sure that she's going to be able to make it back home. But pretty quickly in in the course of the opening of the book, she does exit the wormhole back in our solar system and is able to contact NASA and let them know that she is still alive, uh, which is amazing news for everyone back here on Earth because they had presumed the entire crew to be just missing and dead And they were preparing to send another mission to that planet. And now that they have Catherine home again, they can pick her brain about like, well, what happened? What went wrong? What can can we avoid coming up? Because we're we're about like just a few months away from launch. And we want to make sure that this next mission goes as successfully as as possible and she's just like i i don't know what to tell you guys i honestly don't remember anything and there are some colleagues at nasa who who are accepting of that and other ones who are really suspicious of that and while she is dealing with with those professional uh relationships there she's also trying to to reintegrate with her her husband and her daughter her husband who had moved on and was about to he, he was basically living with another woman who had helped raise 
her daughter, who was now about to graduate from high school, uh, because God, she's been gone for like 10 years. So there's a lot of a lot of stuff there on the home front that she is wrestling with. And then it turns out that there is is some besides just this amnesia she has been experiencing about her mission, she is starting to lose time when she is going about her regular life, uh, working a desk job at NASA. Uh, she finds herself all of a sudden it's, it's two hours later than she thought it was. And she's in a restricted area and she doesn't know how she got there. She's feeling really violent towards certain people she runs into and it becomes a, an almost, it's, it's almost a thriller then trying to figure out why is this happening to her and 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 how can she fix it um and it's just it's a really it's a really great read uh people are comparing it to to like the martian because there's that that space nasa problem solving aspect to it but but it's much less hard science fiction and and way more of a of a psychological thriller and I couldn't put it down. I was I was really disappointed when it ended, not because it ended poorly, but because I I just wanted I wanted more in in this world. Uh and this is her this is her first book, so I'm looking forward to seeing what else she comes up with and it is Vessel by Lisa A Nichols. All right. I have that around here somewhere. I look forward to reading it. Yeah, it's good. It's a neat cover, too. Yeah, I like the cover a lot. Um, my next pick actually came out last week. Uh, it's another book set in Australia, and I loved it. And one of the books <laughs> I was reading for this show kind of fell apart, so uh, I get a chance to tell you about it because I didn't get to read it in time for the show. It is called The Things She's Seen by Amberlyn Quaymelina and Ezekiel Quaymelina. They are brother and sister. Uh, this is... A YA novel. It won the Victorian Premier's Literary Award for Young People's Writing. Um, it is about a girl named Beth. She is 16. Like I said, she's in Australia. And she's dead. She is now a ghost. When it opens, she's a ghost. She's talking to her father. Her father is able to see her. Um, he's kind of unraveling. He They lost her mother when she was very young. Um, and their relationship was very hard because her father is white and her mother was Aboriginal, so it was very difficult. Her family was not accepting of him, or no, no, I'm sorry, this the other word. Uh, his family was not accepting of of her mother, so you know they worked very hard to be together, and then he loses her, so now he just has Beth, and now Beth has died. There was an accident. She was 16, and she's dead. Um, and he can see her. She can talk to him like anything. She can't touch anything she can't move anything but she appears to him they have conversations uh so much so that he kind of forgets that she's dead and then when he remembers all over again you know it's it's very upsetting for him um but she believes that that she's there like she wants to see her mother she believes her mother is somewhere in a different place but she doesn't want to leave her father because she doesn't think he'll be able to make it without her so he's having a really hard time and he is a police detective and his boss decides to send him to this small town where there has been a fire in a home for troubled youth. 
Um, all of the children have gotten out safely, but they do find an unidentified body in the rubble. And so it's his job to figure out who's at the fire and who this person is. Um, and there is one witness to what happened, a young woman named Isabel Ketching, and he goes to the hospital to talk to her. Um, and she speaks in riddles. Um, and her sections where she's telling her story about her life and what she's seen are told in verse. It's like really beautiful. Oh. Um, it's, it's a really, I didn't know, I, like, I, I didn't read the description of this book before I read it. And so that was a, a surprise and it was just, it was beautiful. Um, and the other thing is that, you know, she can talk to Beth. She sees Beth. Um, so as, as her father, as Beth's father digs deeper into what's going on in this town, he finds some really dark secrets at the heart of this small town. Um, it's a really beautiful and sad own voices book about grief and loss and the treatment of indigenous Australians. Uh, the writing is beautiful. And like I said, you know, catching sections are just incredible, like in verse. Um, I'm so, so glad that I got a chance to read this. It was pointed out to me by Jamie, who does our yeah. uh, mystery newsletter. She mentioned, she's like, did you read this? I was like, no, I didn't get a chance to. She's like, do it. So I did. And it's <laughs> so great. Um, you know, trigger warnings for child abuse, sexual assault, um, discussion of stolen generation children. Um, but it's it's really important and, and lovely. So again, it is called The Things She's Seen by Amblin Quemolina and Ezekiel Quemolina. And that brings us to our next sponsor. There is no there's no good segue for this whatsoever. <laughs> um, so I'm just gonna go right ahead with it. And our next sponsor is Ritual. Even if we eat kale salads and drink green smoothies, we're most likely not getting all of the essential nutrients we need on a daily basis. Enter Ritual, the obsessively researched vitamin for women. In two easy-to-take capsules, Ritual provides nine nutrients you need to support a strong foundation for your health, all in their clean, absorbable forms. So, I know you heard me talk about this recently. Um, back in the fall, Ritual sent me a month's worth of vitamins, and... So I took them, and it says, like, on their website, it's like, after a few weeks, you'll feel a little bit of a difference. And I actually, I really did. Like, this is, you know, uh, this is me telling you, this is my truth. You know, at the end of that month, I just felt like, I felt a little, a little better for some reason. And I was like, well, maybe it's the vitamins, maybe it's in my head. So I signed up for my own subscription. Like, I pay for my own subscription now. Um, they come every month, like a bottle of 30, and I take them. And I, I feel good, even when I was like sad and unhappy over the winter, I still, like, felt good. And I, it was astounding to me. Um, and when I had my checkup, I went for my yearly checkup, and the doctor asked, you know, like, what are you taking? And I was like, I'm taking these vitamins now. And this is in no way, like, a medical endorsement. But I will say, like, you know, I said, I'm taking this vitamin. And he was like, what is that, like, snake oil? And I was like, no. And, and we looked it up, you know, on the, their website on, on his computer. And he, and he was like, oh, He's like, yeah, this is all really decent stuff. He's like, there's nothing wrong with you taking this. And I was like, no, it makes me feel great. So um, I just, I really enjoy taking them. And, and so I'm happy to talk about them more with other people online if you have questions. Um, but, and the great part is that all of Ritual's vegan-friendly, sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, and allergen-free ingredients and their sources are out there for the world to see. It's only a dollar a day to have all the essential nutrients your body needs delivered every month with no strings attached. So better health doesn't happen overnight, but Ritual is offering listeners 10% off during your first three months. 
So fill in the gaps in your diet with Essential for Women, a small step that helps support a healthy foundation for your body. That's ritual.com slash books to start your ritual trial today. That's 10% off your first three months at ritual.com slash books. I, I so appreciate that it says that it's gluten-free because when I found out that I couldn't have gluten anymore, that was one of the big surprises that like, wait a minute, people just put gluten in medications and pills and vitamins and things. And now I have to check everything to make sure it doesn't have any. And that's yeah. annoying. So. It was like, it was, and they put it in like toothpaste and shampoo and like yeah. soap. And <laughs> like, I had no idea it, when I looked into that years ago, it's, it's everywhere. I appreciate that. I really enjoy these. Like I get excited to take them every morning. They also, they smell and taste minty. So, ooh, yeah. Good time. Nice. Okay. Well, that sounds really interesting. And I'm going to to look that stuff up on my own time and, <laughs> and uh, tell you about my next pick now on the air. Um, and that is Dear Scarlet, the story of my postpartum depression by Teresa Wong. And this actually came out May 7th. Um, and this is a graphic memoir written as a letter to Scarlett, Teresa Wong's daughter. And it's, it's right there in the subtitle. This is about Teresa Wong's experience with postpartum depression. Um, and it also starts off with her having a pretty traumatic uh, labor and delivery. So if, if those are things that are distressing to you, stay away. Um, but this was, this was a book that I, I was both drawn to and really didn't want to read just because of my own experience with postpartum depression. Uh, but, but I picked it up and I, I started it and I found it to be, be really great. And um, even though I'm a few years removed from that, it it was still helpful in in being able to see another parent struggle with these things that that every now and then I still I still feel irrationally guilty about experiencing myself, um, and and it's something that still will will kick me in the gut whenever I, I hear that somebody else is expecting a kid. I, I, I say, oh, I'm so happy for you. But like in the back of my head, I'm just terrified too um, because it's, it's still such a visceral memory. And, and this book acknowledges all of the things about postpartum depression that are are scary in the moment and also all of the the things about it that are are disappointing about about how you had maybe expected your first few months as a parent to be um and and how this is totally different from from your your hopes and dreams for this time that you can't get back um and she she talks about the ways in which she was dismissed by healthcare providers who told her that oh it was just, it's just the baby blues you'll get over it um and then also the the ways in which you 
you need to rely on on your partner if you happen to be raising a kid with one, but also how you are you are kind of afraid to admit what what feels like a failing to this partner um, and and as I said, all of this is is written as a letter to scarlet and and in the end, she talks about how she eventually was able to to get help from a variety of sources and and she says you know i i don't tell you that that it was so t- terrible the first 2 months of your life to make you feel feel guilty or anything but i just i just want you to know that it's it's not always going to be easy and when you lose yourself it's still possible to to come back to yourself and and that was something that that I really needed to hear because it's a question I've still struggled with about about one day if if my kid looks at all of these pictures we took in the first couple months of her life and 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 she she wants to know what that was like for me I I want to be able to tell her that it was tell her that it was hard and I I don't want her to feel bad about that um but I want it to be something that she knows about so that if she struggles with something, she can she can come to me and not feel like she has to act as if something that she should be celebrating and being so joyful and at peace with, like is 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 she doesn't have to pretend that that it's anything but hard if it is hard for her. Um, as Teresa Wong says in the afterword, motherhood is intense. It is both wonderful and unbearable often at the same time. And I, I feel that way about so many things, motherhood included. Um, and I think that, that that's something that I'm, I'm going to try to pass on to my kid too. And it's beautiful to, to see this story as a letter to to Teresa Wong's daughter. So that is that is Dear Scarlet, the story of my postpartum depression by Teresa Wong. Okay. I'm going to follow that up with the contender for one of the most delightful books of the, <laughs> of the year. <laughs> like, I got no segue. I got nothing. I, I, <laughs> um, is this so, from Australia too? No, it is not from Australia, but it's so delightful. So I literally sometimes... Because I know I've mentioned this before, I hate making decisions. I hate it. And sometimes I'll read like seven or eight books that I absolutely love that are coming out on a specific day. And I cannot decide like which ones I'm going to talk about on the podcast. So I just close my eyes and point. (laughs) And so that happened last week because both the 7th and the 14th were like full of incredible books. And so I didn't get to talk about this book last week, but I'm going to talk about it today. It is Red, White, and Royal Blue. By Casey McQuiston. And it's already sold the rights for film. It's so, so great. Um, It is just this delightful enemies to lovers romantic comedy. Um, It's about two characters. One is Alex um, Claremont Diaz. He is the first son of the President of the United States. He is a Mexican-American. He's a teen. And the president is his mom. She Mm. was the first woman president. She is elected in 2016. 
uh, and in he's her son, and he and his sister and the Veep's granddaughter are kind of like the face of the millennials for the generation. The press love them, um, and that's what that's their job is to like represent millennials, kind of. And meanwhile, there's Prince Henry of Wales, who is over in England, and kind of the same thing, teen, young, and he, Prince Henry and Alex, are like they don't like each other at all. There, it wouldn't be a stretch to say that Alex is Prince Henry's nemesis, um, and so they get the Americans get invited to a royal wedding, which turns into a PR nightmare. Um, I will just say that someone ends up in the cake, uh, and so now uh, both sides of the pond have to figure out what they're going to do because first of all, Alex's mom is up for re-election. And this looks really bad. Like, the the press is just going crazy over this. And, you know, and of course, like, Henry's parents are, you know, and the people are just like, oh, you know, this is terrible. Like, no one behaved well. And so they decide that Alex and Henry need to be BFFs now. Like, they need to put aside their differences or whatever it is that they don't like about each other and be best friends and, like, go out and be seen in the press and just, like, super chummy and it's going to be great and of course, you know, so they hate this idea. But they agree, <laughs> but they agree to it, and their hate for each other kind of turns into an attraction for one another. And Alex has kind of always thought of himself as straight, but he's attracted to men. Um, and Henry is gay, but he is afraid to tell anyone. He doesn't want the press to find out. He doesn't want his family to find out because he's worried that. That itself will be a PR nightmare. And so they fall for each other. But now it's this other whole thing where is this relationship going to, you know, um, ruin his mom's re-election or, you know, cause a lot of problems for the palace. Um, And it's this whole new exciting thing for them that they can't share with anyone else. Um, But this book is like, it's like a, I don't know what, what sort I'm looking for. No, it's gone from my head. Um, it, she makes it, it's effortless. Like, she makes, this is like the perfect, effortless, delightful romantic comedy book. I mean, I cannot get over how charming and wonderful it is. Um, so, if you like light books, if you like funny books, if you like sweet books, if you like to laugh, if you just like your heart to go, oh, it is Red, White, and Royal Blue, and it's by Casey McQuiston. Like I, I'm not surprised that the film rights have been sold already because that I would I would watch the heck out of that. Yeah, romantic comedies are, yeah. are making a comeback. You know, like they're all over Netflix. Yeah, you know, everyone lost their minds when that Ali Wong trailer dropped yes. last week. I actually last night was like, I want to watch a romantic comedy, and was like feeling like the Keanu Renaissance. But apparently, because I hate myself, I watched Destination Wedding. It's just like. <laughs> This is a this is a bad choice. <laughs> Although I did have some nostalgia feels, you know, with Keanu and when when we yeah. together. But okay, uh, wait. I have a, I have a question. Going back to you saying that sometimes there are just way too many books and you have to whittle it down using just you know fate. Yeah. Um, have you ever done a an all the backlist on a Friday about books that came out that previous Tuesday that you just didn't get a chance to talk about? No, because they don't technically backlist. No, backlist is like books. Ugh. Backlist is like books that have been out for nine months or longer, or are in paperback. 
Well, if you want to be technical about yeah. it. Yeah. Sometimes, <laughs> Which I guess you I do use my dealer's choice. Like, I use my dealer's choice at the end to talk about whatever I want. And sometimes I talk okay. about books that just came out. Sometimes I talk about books that aren't out yet. Um, so, but, you know, I mean, I try to fit it in somewhere. Like, I'll try to fit some of them into the newsletter. And, you know, so the news book, new books newsletter, always reason to sign up for that. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So, Take us home, please. Okay, this one is a collection of poetry. Uh, it's called Field Notes on Ordinary Love by Keith S. Wilson. And um, this one, be careful because, like, my devices and laptops and everything, like, laptops, I just have the one, um, they, they wanted to autocorrect field notes into two separate words, but this is going to be one whole word, field notes, when you're looking for this. Um, And Keith S. Wilson has had poetry published in lots of different places, but this is his first book collection. Um, And it was, it was, it was really, really something. I don't, I don't often read a lot of poetry in in large chunks like this, um, and part of that is because I I feel like when I'm reading something I'm I'm trying to to read quickly, and with poetry I I just stop reading fast because I I feel like with the the economy of poetry I I really need to spend time with with every single every single word and and it just it just feels like like being in the slow lane reading poetry um but i i picked this up and i'm i'm so glad i did it's it the, the range is incredible um there's a lot of stuff about about love um falling in love being away from the person that you love um but there's also a lot about what it's like to be to be black in America right now and the ways in which the the societal structures in place and the people who are there to enforce those structures make that so challenging uh and sometimes there there's an intersection there with ordinary love um for example there's a the the title poem i guess which is it's called field notes it it starts out with uh, this allusion to to physics and he says in physics dark matter isn't made of anything it's a free citizen that passes unburdened through the field through itself through you and and he uses this this idea of of dark matter then which which gets to be a free citizen that that passes unburdened um, to to talk about being a black man in a car with a white girlfriend and being stopped by the police and and there's just a, a tremendous amount of heartbreaking violence in this book, but also just a lot of tenderness and then there's there's just this there's this poem about about uh, pigeons and how pigeons are pretty awesome. And so it's just there's it's it's all over the place in the best kind of way, in a really enjoyable way, a way that 
encapsulates life in the parts that are gorgeous and sublime and the parts that are mundane and the parts that are really, really um, especially for people of color. Uh, so that is Field Notes, An Ordinary Love by Keith S. Wilson. Yay! I think my favorite line from any TV show ever is Tracy Morgan on Dirty Rock when That's he's talking to the pigeons. That's what I thought of. <laughs> he's like, He's like, stop eating people's old french fries, pigeon. Have some self-respect. Don't you know you can fly? I think about that all the time. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this part of that poem. It says, ask the closest pigeon for his number, for her middle name, if they are ready to die, if the sky gets crowded enough to consider war, if their stores are closed on Sundays. I want to be ready for them to be just like us, but more ready for them to be completely different. <laughs> I'm just like, yes, <laughs> tell me some more about pigeons. all right so those are our new books what are you going to read next uh uh, i was i was telling you about this before before we pressed record but there is a graphic biography that is coming out in june called um eileen gray and it's about eileen gray who, you know, I'm, I wouldn't expect that name to ring a bell for anyone because she was an artist, an interior designer, and architect who is largely forgotten. Um, but this is this is a really, really great graphic biography of her, and and I am I'm going to spend a little more time enjoying reading that because I I first thought that I was going to talk about it today, but it's not published this week. It's published in June now, um, but that means I just get to spend a little more time enjoying with this wonderful graphic biography, and then probably doing a little bit of of down the rabbit hole reading because in the back there's a bibliography which is a gift, really, to, to anyone who likes reading. And, and, you know, when a book leads to another book and another book and another book, you're set. Um, what about you? What have you got up on the docket? So um, The Perks of Being a Wallflower, the, everyone knows this book. I think most everyone knows this book. Yes. Uh, by Stephen Chbosky. came out 20 years ago. No. If you can, if you can believe no. it. No. Yeah, it came out in 1999. It Wait. doesn't feel that long ago because oh. the film didn't come out until 2012. But I, the I book itself so came out in 1999. So Stephen Chbosky has a new book coming out in the fall. It's called Imaginary Friend. It comes out October 1st. And so I got it. And I was like, okay, I know it's a horror novel. So that's great. Um, very different. You know, I was excited. But I started reading it and... It's 720 <gasps> pages long. Oh, my god! Like, I was like, I'm going to sit down and read this tonight. And I started reading it, and then I was like, I, there's a lot to this. And I, I kept looking at the space bar, like, on my PDF reader, and it was, like, not moving. And so I looked it up online, and it was, like, 720 pages. So I guess, like, when you take, like, 20 years to write a book, um, <laughs> you have a lot to say. Like, I can only imagine what it looked like before they did any editing, if they did any editing. Um, so yeah, wow. it's, um, 
Like, <laughs> that reminds me. Um, my my spouse is reading Bill Bryson's A Walk in the Woods, mm-hmm. um, and he's he's listening to it on on audiobook. And he turned it on speakerphone while he was shaving this morning, and he he got to the part where they they've had like just this arduous trek through the the Appalachian Trail and they pull out the map of the trail and it's like the map goes from like the the top of his head all the way down to his his knees and they're looking at this map and they've hiked two inches of it (laughs) it's just like what the like oh man but uh, you know 700 pages is if it if it's good writing it's it's a good 700 pages well so i read 200 pages of it so far um and uh, like it's i'm just gonna say it because you're gonna hear it like eight million times it's it's like a stephen king novel it it reads like it's like you know small town kind of tiny hokeyish family love you know like a single mom and her son running from an abusive boyfriend and just and spooky stuff is going to go on in this town. Um, because, like, see, he writes great, but, like, I always find him to be a little corny. Like, yeah. the, the stuff. And this is a little yeah. corny like that, you know. Um, but I'm still, like, not entirely sure what is going on. Like, not not what is going on, but, like, what is going to happen. Like, where this is going. Because, like I said, I'm, like, 200 pages into it. I still have 550, so. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'm excited to get back to it. So. Well, I'll, I'll let you do that. Thank you for spending this hour with me. Well, thank you for spending this hour <laughs> with me. Um, that is it for us today. You can go to bookriot.com slash audible to get two free audiobooks with your 30-day free trial. Thank you to Delacorte Press, publisher of Hope and Other Punchlines by Julie Buxbaum. It is out now wherever books are sold. And you can get 10% off your first three months at ritual.com slash books. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com and just tell us how you can't believe that Perks of Being a Wallflower has been out for 20 years. Um, you can find us online. I spend most of my time on Instagram now at Friends and Comes Alive. You can find Maria Christina on Twitter at Meowy Christina. That's M E O W Y C R I S T I N A. Uh, and if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new book newsletter. And in the meantime, happy, happy reading. reading.